0: Welcome, everyone, to the Cup of Coffee podcast with me, your host, Tom Dillon. This is being recorded live at our weekly online meeting and broadcast around the world. Today's topic is Where There's a Will, There's a Way, with uh, lovely Teresa Jones. Um, And uh, uh, before we start, I'd like to say by way of a disclaimer that today is a wonderful discussion, but that nothing said here constitutes financial advice and should always Take professional advice before you invest your hard-earned cash. Maybe the odd unplanned swear word along the way as well. Um, right, Joe, so let's get cracking. So, uh, Teresa will speak to us for a bit, and then we'll be taking questions. So, if, if you have any questions, which I'm sure there will be, then uh, do store them up or pop them in the chat, and we'll, we'll get to them. Um, we'll get to as many as we can. Uh, uh, Teresa um, is the founder and director of Compass Legal Associates, specializing in estate planning for property investors, and property developers having worked in a traditional law practice for a number of years Teresa created compass legal associates to directly meet the needs of her clients offering high quality legal support at the time and place of their choice Teresa coaches new will writers and is a qualified mediator for the civil mediation council Uh, good morning Teresa
1: good morning Tom good morning everybody thank you ever so much for inviting me uh this morning I am absolutely thrilled to be here so, well, that's good. Usually, it... because
0: I because can't wait to get away. So um, it's a nice <laughs> it's been uh, to. He's not being forced. As
1: I was saying to you earlier, Tom, I'm a bit starved of seeing people. You know, because uh, obviously I'm seeing a lot of clients, but to actually kind of be on a semi-social event like this, where I can actually see uh, real life people, is just. It's. I'm a bit giddy with it, really. To be honest, so <laughs> just bear with me, folks.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't need to think of these people as real people um, or this is very socialising. This is, uh, I don't know what this is, to be honest, but yeah. uh, no, it's, it's best not to. Anyway, uh, but the, absolutely very welcome and looking forward Thank to hearing you. the excitements that you've got to share with us. What, what have you got for us?
1: Well, I, I'm going to um, open a PowerPoint presentation for you um, and that we're going to kind of go through together. So we're going to start with a little bit about how legally strong we are. I'm going to tell you a bit about my great aunt Mary. Then we're going to do a will quiz because every good uh, presentation needs a quiz in it, I feel. And then I'm going to talk about lasting powers of attorney um, with you. Okay. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to do is if it's okay with everybody is I'm just going to get my um, PowerPoint sorted for you. So I'm going to share the screen and um, so that I can uh, make sure that you can see everything. And my ability to do technology is, limited if I'm completely honest with you. Um but my children have kind of helped me a bit with this so uh hopefully oh I'm just gonna sort of start it off for you. Let's go up here. So I'm sorry I can't I can't get to the um slide button here. Let me just see if I can. The new slideshow. Maybe not, maybe I'll just have to do it, do it from here if that's okay uh, with you folks. So uh, firstly, I wanted to explain Compass Legal Associates, as, as Tom said, it's my company. Um, I've got three will writers that work with me that I've trained up. And uh, we, uh, w- we do legal work on a Martini principle in terms of those of you who are old enough like me to remember that Martini used to be um, kind of advertised as anytime, place, anywhere. And having been in a traditional law practice, I was sick really of it not being client-centered and decided I'd set up a business that was client-centered. So this is where we've got uh, nine years on from that. I've been busy every day with clients um, because that is a principle that works and I I hope that it it will work for you. So what we've got here, my first question is is to you. and, And the first question I wanna ask you is, are you legally strong? Um, And what I mean by that, we talk a lot about being physically strong, about being mentally strong. But when things come at you, as they have done over the last year or so, uh, you know, are you in good shape? Are you in a position where you can deal with the things or your family can deal with the things that come at you? So when I'm talking about being legally strong, I'm talking about having these things in place. A will, lasting powers of attorney, um, trusts, advanced directives, maybe a funeral plan this is the suite of things that I would want you to have in place by the time you're 60. Um, Because then no matter what comes at you, I'm going to be able to help you to be able to cope with that. I'm I'm going to be able to help your, your family too. Now, most people, I think they say 60% of people don't have a will in place. And this is sort of like an issue really, uh, as you can imagine nationally, especially at the moment with everything that that's going on. And, it brings me to my next slide I've got on my kitchen wall I'm the sort of person that has things that says 10 things that make you mentally strong because you know probably like yourselves over your life you've had some things to deal with and I'm interested in um being able to you know cope with the things that come at me so I've just pulled two aspects here um, from my list of 10 um and I want them want to share them with you because I want you to think about these things for yourself as we go through this presentation today. So the first thing is that mentally strong people retain their personal power. So what does that mean? We have a lot more power than we think um, in in life as I'm sure many of you have, have discovered. And it's something that retaining personal power and maximizing our personal power in a legal form is really, really important. So for example, when we make a will, we use our personal power to decide how things are gonna happen when we pass away. And if we don't make a will, then we are handing personal power over to the state for them to decide. So this is a very simple example of how you retaining your personal power and using your personal power in life can put you in the driving seat um, when things happen to you. And that's what I'm all about, putting you in the driving seat so, so that you can decide what happens to you. The second point I've got there is that strong, mentally strong people focus on the things they control. I mean, what has this last year been like? It's just been, we, we could never have imagined that it would be anything like this uh, last January. So things come at us. And apparently, according to historians, this is what life is all about. We are supposed to suffer, we are supposed to struggle because through history, that is what, is, what has happened. But what can we do when everything is coming at us and we're so distracted uh, by everything that's coming at us? So mentally strong people, apparently, they focus on the things they can control. And it's about kind of having tools in our, and weapons in our armour to protect ourselves. So during times when we can, we should try and get um, our tools in place, our weapons in place, so that we can actually face the difficult things um, you know, that, we, that we potentially come across. So these are the two things that, that are important to me, maximizing your personal power and enabling you to be in control of situations that come at you that can absolutely uh, rock your world to the core. Um, and it's not just a message for you, it's a message uh, you know, for your families and, and, and friends as well. So I want to tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I'm 50 years old. I've got two teenage children who are 15 and 17. Um, I really love music. So I sing, I play the guitar, I play the piano. Um, And um, and when I started to study law, which is many, many years ago, I decided that it was such a big, um, you know, so many things in law. How would I ever learn everything to do with law? So I just decided to say to myself that for the rest of my life, I will learn about law. And that's very much my philosophy. I love learning. And I love being with people like yourselves, who are dynamic people who um, want to harness their, their strength in ways to create pop- property portfolios, build things, develop and create things. I find it very exciting working uh, with people like yourselves, which is why I, I want to help you. My brother 20 years ago bought 12 apartments in Manchester. And over this 20 years, I've sort of honed my legal skills to help him, I suppose, in the the various struggles he's been through over the the last 20 years. So I feel that I have a personal insight into some of the things that, that you may experience. So this picture here of my great aunt Mary is, is how I started. And as you see, she was a very attractive woman. And um, and unfortunately I take after her physically in, in that way. But um, great aunt Mary, uh, my mom's auntie, she had a country house worth 325,000 pounds. She was an antique dealer, first one in my family. And she had 50,000 pound cash and she was posh. Uh, I come from quite a, an ordinary, uh, background and ordinary family but great aunt Mary was something else that we all looked up to so um, it was very sad when she uh, became older and she went into a care home and actually you know eventually passed away and I can remember from a you know as a, as a child hearing my mum and dad talk about this and this was uh, what they were talking about great aunt Mary who was worth just short of half a million pounds at the end of the day, didn't have a will, didn't have anything in place for herself. And when she passed away in the care home, um, left nothing. And this was such a, a a horror to my family who had always, I suppose, in a horrible sort of way, imagined that they would inherit from her. And so this is what I wanted to show you. This is where my journey started as what I class myself as, which is an estate planner. Um, So Aunt Mary had no estate planning in place. Um, She didn't think she she needed it. And as a result, because it was a thousand pound a week in the beautiful care home that she was in, she lost every penny of her property, every penny of her business and her cash. And in the last few years of her life, three or four years, she went through 475,000 pound due to that situation. Now with estate planning, I came to learn through um, studying law that if I'd put a property trust around her property, then that would have saved the property from care home fees. If she had been encouraged to gift the antiques down to her family or to have sold the antiques, then these would have been saved as well. And if she'd put something like an investment bond trust in place that sits outside of your estate and gives you a 5% return, then she would have been able to save her cash and she would have protected 475,000 pounds, which she could have if she'd had a will in place, passed down um, to members of her family to enable them to to be able to develop wealth um, and move on from there because there is no doubt that wealth develops wealth. Um, And this is a a key message um, to you really is your legacy will help the next generation and the next generation. And we we need to look uh, ahead in that way. So from that experience, I stopped wanting to be a criminal uh, lawyer, which I had wanted to be. And I thought, no, I'm gonna specialize in death and taxes. Good grief, my my mum was horrified. She she said, what a morbid um, area to go into. And for years, she didn't tell people what I did. But in actual fact, it is fascinating. And, um, and as you can see, you know, uh, well, I've never been busier, as you can imagine from this last year. And it's one of those um, inevitable things, isn't it? Really, sadly. So I want to explain to you the benefits of estate planning for yourselves. By definition, because you're entrepreneurs, you are taking great risks often. And it's a great joy for me to be able to try and protect you in any way that I can and to enable your journey um, to be as profitable and safe as, as possible. And uh, that, that's what I enjoy doing most. So what do I mean by estate planning? I basically mean a coffee or a cup of tea with me. That's what it costs. It, that is taking stock of your current situation and talking it through with somebody who understands about the law trusts taxation and can just you know take a snapshot with you for an hour where we can look at things together and see um, what it looks like from my point of view what it looks like from your point of view as you can see from the second bullet point there we can discuss your strategies for expansion and see if there's any way that i can help and, and protect you in that way we can consider your estate from a tax perspective and we can put safety nets in place to protect you so that you feel more comfortable and don't wake in the middle of the night when um, things are a bit a bit scary at times it finally it's about defining your legacy all this hard work that you're putting in all these amazing properties that you're sourcing then you know what is this for and I think as well as building time and wealth um, for yourself then you are also doing it for your future generations as well, because as human beings, that's what we're all about. We're all about passing down our wealth to the next generation and our legacy. And wouldn't it be amazing if the property portfolio that you are building could be passed down to the next generation so that they benefit and they don't have to start again. So before we go into the quiz and lighten things up a bit, I want to talk to you about what makes a strong will. And at any time you can write questions in the chat box. We'll obviously sort of like I'm going to look at those when I get to the end of things. But as you go through things now, I want you to, you know, kind of have a think if there's anything you'd like to uh, ask me. And I'll address that um, towards the end of this this hour, I think, at about quarter two. So. What makes a strong will? I have written so many wills, I cannot tell you how many wills, thousands and thousands of them. And um, as I said to you, I'm a, you know, I consider myself a student, ever learning every year that that I work in law. So this is what makes a strong will, as far as I'm concerned, it's the ingredients. Firstly, you need two executors in a will, just in case one of them is poorly. So when you write your will, Um, some of you that have never never done that you have to appoint two people as executors to sort things out when you pass away so they're trusted people who may know about your property strategy or understand you well and that you trust it's also good to have a reserve executor in place as well I always name the people that should benefit in your will rather than classes of relatives. You can say in your will, I want to leave everything to my children in equal shares, or my grandchildren in equal shares. But I prefer to name people in your, in your will, because then I know definitely who's getting what. And there's nobody coming out of the woodwork when you pass away with any paternity tests or anything else to claim that they're your long lost child or grandchild or anything else, depending on how exciting a life you've had over the years. And I, you know, obviously have come across lots of different interesting uh, situations in that way. I believe it's important if you can to put a trust within your will to protect a range of your assets. Trusts, and I'm going to talk about them more um, later in the presentation, are an amazing way to protect things. They are like cling film that goes round properties, assets, um, paintings, classic cars, whatever you want to protect, you can put into a trust. And a trust lasts for 125 years. And, and that is incredible, isn't it? It can be dissolved tomorrow, but it can last for 125 years. And in that way, your legacy can t- continue. If you buy something that you love, you can send it down the dra- generations for that amount of time. Reserve beneficiaries need to be appointed in a will because we need to have lots of lines of defense within your will. So the people that you pass it to, if they pass away before you because you live to your 111, then I want to know the next layer that need, need to inherit and the next layer and, and so on. And then finally, a memorandum of wishes, which is a side letter to your will. And I'm really fond of these because they write the detail of, what, of what's going on behind the will to the executor. So in that sense, you can uh, sort of like um, put all the bits and pieces that you want, your secret wishes, if, if you like, to your executor that, that doesn't have to populate your will or need changing every five minutes. I've got a really complicated memorandum of wishes for my kids, for example, who are 15 and 17, because I want them to be able to continue with things like flute lessons and, you know, kind of go to university and stuff like that. So there's, there's some, you know, detail behind, uh, behind my will in that way. So that makes a strong will. Now, what I want to do next is go into a little quiz. I'm not going to ask you to show me your answers or anything publicly humiliating like that, but it's just, uh, you know, four questions of interest to you, hopefully, and um, it's multiple choice. So the answer is there in amongst what I put for you. So where there's a will, there's a way. The reason I call the presentation that is because people say that to me all of the time. And it's something, a, a saying that I hadn't come across before um, I went into this uh, line of business. And, that, and so, yeah, if you've not heard, heard it before, then I think it probably comes from something like the 1960s or something. Definitely my parents' generation um, know this saying. So I've called the quiz that. So I'm going to give you four slides, four questions, and I want you to sort of like write down your answer. Uh, to each of them, what, what you think might be the case. I'm not expecting you to know them at, at, at all. They're just things I've sort of plucked out just to, to make you think, and then I'll tell you what the answers are. So, okay. Firstly, what is your residence nil rate band? What is your residence nil rate band? A, is it your property's council tax band? B, is it the tax exemption you get for your home? Or C, is it £175,000 extra inheritance tax exemption if you leave your family home to your children when you pass away? So, write down A, B, or C if you've got a piece of paper and you can write it down. So, that's number one. What is your residence nil rate band? I'm just writing down the answers just to remind myself. Okay. Next one, will quiz continued. Number two, what percentage is inheritance tax in this country? Okay, brilliant. I know you, you know that one, I, I know. Number three, what is a living will? Is it A, instructions about the medical care you want B, instructions to protect your property from care costs. C, instructions to your relatives when you die. Brilliant. And lastly, on the last slide, my last question. So number four, if guardians have not been appointed for children under 18, Where do they go if both parents pass away? Do the children go to grandparents or the nearest relatives? Do they go to social services? Do they go to close friends of the family or do they go to court of protection? And that's the last question. Okay, brilliant, right folks thumbs up right we're going to go through the answers are you ready and normally obviously yeah that's it normally if we were face to face now then we'd be having a riotous laugh and i'd be throwing chocolates into the audience yeah as you got these things right and you'd be telling me what the answers are and we'd be interacting about it but it's it's a bit tricky isn't it at the moment so we have to imagine that uh, for ourselves so Question one, what is your residence nil rate band? The the answer to that question is C, £175,000 extra inheritance tax exemption if you leave your family home to your children when you pass away. So this residence nil rate band known in the trade as an RNRB, as you can imagine, is something that came in just a few years ago, just a handful of years ago and by the Tory government to reward people who had children and had a family home to encourage people to pass it down to them. Normally, if we just like a single person, we have £325,000 inheritance tax exemption. So that is the amount that we have before we have to pay inheritance tax on top of that. So anything over £325,000, we pay inheritance tax on. If we are married, then we get our spouse's inheritance tax exemption as well, so that can leave us £650,000 inheritance tax exemption if we are married and often I will be seen saying to young couples. It's a good idea to get married, not least for the tax advantages that your lovely spouse will bring you, which doesn't sound very romantic but it's the way that society is set up and the tax system uh, is set up. So you on top of that 325,000 pound each will get an extra 175,000 pound inheritance tax exemption taking you up to 500,000 pound before you have to pay inheritance tax. If you have a family home and you leave it to your children in your will This gives you extra. I came across an estate this week where, so, you know, a friend of mine, her her mother has sadly passed away at the age of 57 and she has £400,000 worth of assets. And my friend was saying to me, I'm going to have to pay uh, 40% on £75,000 that's over the 325. And she was having a bit of a fit about it because it was the property that, there was four hundred thousand uh, pounds worth, and there was very little cash in the estate. So forty percent of uh, seventy-five thousand is about thirty grand paid to HMRC at that at that point. But because her mum had left the uh, property to her and her and her brother uh, in her will, which I'd written for her five years ago, then there's an extra one hundred seventy-five thousand pound tax exemption, which means that there's £500,000 altogether. So there is no inheritance tax to pay uh, on that estate. So that has just saved £30,000 by making that will. So this is how valuable and how important it is to do this estate planning for yourselves. Right, the will quiz uh, continued. Number two, the answer to this is 40%. It's a huge amount, inheritance tax. In this country, 40% is massive. And as you can see, then, if we're £100,000 over the over the, the mark because we've made good money in our lives, then £40,000 is paid to the, the, the tax man. I had a, a lovely elderly client uh, from Birmingham who, who passed away sadly last year at, at the age of 70. He had 22 properties and he was a self-made man. And he didn't believe in doing... He, he had a will, but he didn't really want to do any inheritance tax planning or, or anything like that. So he had four children, and I've just, uh, you know, we've been finishing off the estate and sorting everything out. But the cheque that I had to write to HMRC for that gentleman was £386,000 that went from his £2.2 2 million pound, um, estate. And it's just too much, you know, and I don't want to be in that position where I'm having to explain to the children that, you know, that amount is going is going to the to the tax man because um, the tax man is um, doesn't necessarily need it necessarily. So this is where estate planning comes in as well. So what is a living will? This is new jargon, isn't it? It's something that a lot of people haven't heard of. Its other name is is an advanced directive. So an advanced directive or a living will is the answer is A instructions about the medical medical care that you want. So it's a a document that if you're incapacitated in any way, um, for example, you're in a coma, you've had a a traffic accident, something has happened to you where you're not able to speak for yourself to the medical people around you, then it it is a legal document that that I can draft for you that will explain what you do and don't want. Yes, please, I want morphine, mine says, because even if it shortens my life I do not want to experience pain for example so this is what a living will is it's another important document if you want to increase your personal power and retain some control um, even in your darkest hour and finally number four if guardians have not been appointed for children where do they go if both parents pass away and this has only ever happened you know once in, in my career but um the children go to social services. You would think that they would go to grandparents or relatives, um, but actually, unless you write a will and appoint guardians in that will, then if there is no will in place, your children will be dealt with by social services. And that is that is shocking, isn't it? And there's no way on earth that I would ever want that to happen for my, for my family and my, and my children. So if nothing else, it is one of the most important reasons that you need to make a will okay that is uh the quiz over so i hope there's been some interesting points for you i'm sorry that i can't throw you chocolates at this moment in time but imagine i am doing uh, that's the best thing to do so just to summarize this section why make a will to direct your assets where you want them to go um It's really, really important. You've worked hard. You're creating this beautiful, amazing legacy and empire. Who deserves to have your assets passed to them? Do you want, um, you know, kind of your daughter-in-law, your in-laws, your um, mad sister, your, you know, crazy dad, you know, all these next of kin that drive you nuts sometimes. Do you want them to have it or do you want them to specifically go to the people that you want them to have? All the time, I experience situations where people think they're going to inherit and they've been a complete nightmare to that person all through their lives. And the ability to choose who gets your assets, I think that is a really, really important thing for for you to do. Make a will to protect things, protect your investments, protect your business, protect your properties so that you can pass them on. Um, That's really important. Look after vulnerable loved ones you know there are people in your family that may need your assets uh, when you pass away they may need some help look after them do the right thing by them and uh, there's ways of of protecting people there's ways of protecting vulnerable people within your will uh, whether they be elderly whether they be um, single parents whether you know kind of whether they be disabled there's ways that I can help you with that uh, to protect the assets for them Put the management of your estate into safe hands. You know, instead of waking in the night and worrying about certain things that feel beyond your control, actually talk to somebody about those those things. Everything is confidential um, that we talk about. It's not going anywhere else. You can tell me things, I'm not going to judge you. I've seen so many people in, in my working career. I feel like I've heard everything. But this is the chance where you can just have, you know, sort of like a legal friend they can help you through the difficult times. Um, and B, I tend to see my clients. Um, I make contact once a year with them. I tend to see them every two years because you know I don't want to be turning up on your door like the Grim Reaper every, every every five minutes. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot that changes in your lives, so it's nice to see you for a coffee. Uh, you know, every couple of years, definitely. Um, and finally. Because you've got complicated lives and complicated property strategies and amazing spreadsheets, which I've, I've seen over the years, write down your estate strategy so that your legacy can, t- can continue. Yeah, The documents you've probably already got will be amazing and will enable somebody, if something happens to you suddenly, to be able to continue with your investment strategy. But if it's something which I can hold safely for you with your will, so that if something does suddenly happen to you, then I know what the plan is and I can support your family to move things forward okay so that's my little sermon I'm afraid about why it's important uh, to make a will okay this is important this is my little move forward with peace of mind yeah really really important in this world of anxiety let's get um feeling strong and feeling comfortable where we are So as I said to you before, I love trusts. Trusts used to be for rich people. Yeah, it used to be for the royal family, Downton Abbey type people because they were the only ones who understood them. And my uh, personal thing is that I wanna bring trusts to the masses, okay? Through a trust, you can protect something and send it down to the next generation. A trust is like a safety deposit box. If you wanna put something in it, even if it's just your pencil, you can put that in trust and it will be protected for 125 years. Okay, so this is a very, very valuable tool that I want uh, you to be able to to use. Some trusts are really cheap, they're 200 pounds. Other trusts are more expensive, they're 2000 pounds. There's a whole range, a bit like buying clothes or jeans, yeah? Um, and it's finding the right trust that, that suits you. But don't be frightened of them. Help me, l- help, I will help you to learn about them and see how we can use them to protect your assets. Protecting your house is really, really important and protecting houses that, you, that you've got because as soon as you own property, there are various threats that, that can come at you. These are, that I've listed here are the traditional ones taxation bankruptcy divorce long-term care these are the things that will come at your house and your property and could threaten it and this is a good reason to kind of wrap a trust around it uh, to protect it many of you will know about tenants in common i'm a massive advocate for tenants in common when you buy a property with someone else own it as tenants in common whether you own 10 percent they own 90 percent I really don't mind, but just breaking up the tenancy in that way so that you have a distinct share is really important legally and important for trusts. So with the lovely gentleman that was doing the building work this morning as, as we were, were talking, if he's buying that property with his, his partner, which is so brilliant and exciting, the conveyance and solicitor will say to you, how do you want to own it? As joint beneficial tenants or tenants in common? A lot of people don't know the difference I'm saying to you own it as tenants in common every time legally it's really really important because then if something comes at your house then they can't sell half a house can they so they're going to that's going to enable you to keep the house from bankruptcy divorce long-term care so that's why we advocate tenants in common as estate planners. There are a couple of trusts here that if I had more time, I would I'd talk to you more about. The first is the family asset protection trust that protects your family home. And that's really that's really important. It's a watertight um, trust that helps protect it and move it on uh, to the next generation. So I thought that would be useful for you or your family. That the next trust that I'll just mention is the rental property trust. So if you have an idea that your rental property portfolio, you would like to go down to the next generation, then this is something that you may uh, want to consider within, within your will. Um, and, you know, there's very, various ways that I can help you to do that. So these are just a couple of property trusts that may be of use just to whet your appetite. Okay, so that's my little spiel about trust. You can understand from what I've said that I think think they're fantastic. And um, I always use flexible trusts so that they never tie you up in any way. It's really important that you can be flexible because you don't know what's coming around the corner, do you? So I always have this in mind. So here's, I'm gonna go on to lasting powers of attorney briefly now, um, just as I come to the end of my presentation. And this is a bit of a shocking question, isn't it? What would happen if you woke up tomorrow and could not function and it's not the sort of thing that we like thinking about and I don't really want us to dwell on it very much apart from the fact that with people like ourselves who've got businesses and property it's really important for us to think about it now and then because if something happened to us we don't want our businesses and property to come to a standstill and stop it is the reality of most of us who are the main person who's working within the business and, and the owner of the property. And, and that, is a, that is a problem. We need to um, protect ourselves by getting lasting powers of attorney in place, okay? Lasting powers of attorney are really, really important. If you lose mental capacity for whatever reason and you need, you need everything to continue then you need to put lasting powers of attorney in place. And this is true for your parents uh, as well. So what happens is if you lose mental capacity, your doctor has a legal obligation to inform the court of protection. At that point, the court of protection freezes your assets, your sole assets and your joint assets as well. So your business, your properties, your bank accounts, that's what I'm talking about. They will freeze them because you're not of sound mind to continue with them. And that becomes a problem because then it costs thousands of pounds to go to the Court of Protection to get somebody appointed as what's called a deputy to be able to manage your affairs. And that can take six to 12 months. And most of us with our businesses don't have that long to be and that sort of luxury of time because we need our businesses to keep going forward really strongly. So. Appointing um, an attorney in your lasting power of attorney means that the government, the state back off again and you retain your personal power and your personal control. By making lasting power of attorney, you appoint somebody or more than one person who you trust, who can take over matters if you're out of action. And these days, power of attorney isn't just about Alzheimer's and dementia. It's actually uh, about if you are abroad and can't sign a document. It's if you've broken your leg and you can't get to the bank. Yeah, it, it's if you're out of the picture and you need somebody else to, to be there and t- do things for you, then this is what lasting power, power of attorney is about. So you, as I say in, in, in this slide here, you appoint someone you trust who knows your plan. It might be your spouse, your children. It might be your business partner. You can have business powers of attorney you can have personal powers of attorney you can have both so you may you can have as many as you want so you can appoint the people that you need okay so there are two types of powers of attorney health and welfare it's important at the moment with covid going around power of attorney gives your trusted people your trusted person one or two Um, The ability to talk to the doctors on your behalf about what you want if you're not able to speak. Okay, so this means you can decide what sort of care you want, decide what sort of treatment you want. You can ask for a second opinion, medical opinion. You can say to social services, back off. I'm in control. So this is very, very important for your health. The other sort, which is property and financial affairs, arguably might be even more important to you because it stops your financial assets and your property assets, assets being frozen if you've got lasting powers of attorney for property and financial affairs. And I think that anybody who's got a business, anybody who's got a limited company who, want, who, who owns property needs to have a lasting powers of attorney in place. Again, it costs £150 to get it sorted. It's not going to break the bank for you. Okay. The government has made things easier with lasting powers of attorney, um, which means that they're there, even though they're a 20 page document for me to deal with, they're much easier for you to deal with, which is why it's nothing to be frightened of. And it's just a simple thing that you can have in your armour, which means if anything goes wrong, we can sort things out for you. So we're coming to the end of the presentation now. And I just wanted to sort of like summarize everything for you. I, I hope you got a sense of the fact that um, even though I'm a very serious lady and, um, you know, take things, very uh, you know, I care about people a lot and I want to to help people. That's why I'm in the job uh, that I'm that I'm in. I'm lighthearted and jolly as well, because I actually think that if you can get these things in place for yourselves, then you are much stronger and you can be more positive about life because mentally it, it really it really helps you to feel that you've got things under control. My clients who say to me, you know, when they when they do this sort of work for me, they just feel a huge amount of relief when they've got these things sorted. And that can really, you know, really help you mentally and it can help you be able to tackle things as, as you move forward, because at the end of the day, you've got these things in place that will protect you and, and your family. So these, this is my advice to you uh, on this Saturday morning um, with everything that's going on around us. Make sure you have a will and many of you may have a will because you're very switched on people and keep it up to date. You know, it, it's, it's a simple, uh, simple coffee at the end of the day. That's how we keep things up to date or a simple email or a simple Zoom meeting. I'm doing loads of Zoom wills at the moment, as you can imagine. And so you can do it in the comfort of your own home. I'm a mobile legal advisor. So if you want me to come with my face mask and my latex gloves on and sit two metres away from you, that's no problem either. That, that, that's not a problem. Consider trusts to protect your assets um, and create lasting powers with attorney um, to enable your family, home and business uh, to function. Finally, just to say that um, protect yourself, look after yourselves, you're very precious and um, it's really important uh, that we look after you. I hope that's okay, Tom, that's me finished.
0: That was great. Thank you very much indeed, Teresa. Very thorough and wide-ranging. Yeah, thanks for sharing it. Um, some, Pleasure. There's some applause in the group from uh, from those who haven't already handed over lasting power of attorney to to others. Um, so, uh, But thanks very much for that. It was great. Um, like Any questions in the chat? Let's get those in. Uh, in fact, there's already some come in. Crikey. Uh, so rather than rattle through mine, let's rattle through some of these. Um, let's get straight into them. uh, uh, uh uh, sharon you've got
1: a question oh yes i do um just a question on the difference between um joint tenancy and tenants in common if you already own a property um what's the process and what's the cost for changing that once you've realized you want to change it brilliant question sharon thank you so this is a really easy thing to do if you own something as joint beneficial tenants what i do is i sever the tenancy and make it tenants in common and the form you need is form A from the land registry which is online I also send off something that's called a mutual notice of severance of tenancy along with the form A and I do that for 60 pound that's how much it costs for me to do that for you um it's better for you to have somebody uh, kind of write to the land registry on you, your behalf but if you don't want to go down that route and you want to do it yourselves, then obviously, you know, it's form form A with the land registry that you need to do. And it is just um, simple to do. I can do it over a Zoom meeting with you, send it off to the land registry and they put the clause on your title deeds that means that your tenants in common. OK, okay. so it, so just as a supplementary question. Sorry, Tom, hope it's all right for question. Question one one B. Um, um, mm-hmm. Um, I do sometimes look at title deeds when I am vetting people to be guarantors so um would it state on the title deed what so I it's not something that I've come across when I'm looking at title that's right because that would be too easy Sharon yeah tenants in common (laughs) so there is a restriction that's put on your title deeds when you sever the tenancy and become tenants in common and it's, I can't quote the whole lot to you because it's about five lines long. But it starts off and says, uh, the restriction says, no sole disposition of okay. this property. No so it the, the, the say sole disposition. What right. it means is that each owner, um, neither one of them can sell the property from under the other one. When you own things um, 100% together as joint tenants like this I always do this sort of symbol when you own it 100% together either one of you can sell the property without the other one knowing because you both legally represent each other together when you own it tenants in common like this 50% each then neither of you can sell the property from under you know each other uh, which is why the no no sole disposition phrase comes from so okay. I can always um, send you the clause, if, if that's helpful to you, okay. so that you can look out for it. Okay. So, so if, if that isn't there as a restriction, I can just assume that it's a joint tenancy. Joint beneficial tenants. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. That's Thank right. You. Brilliant. Thank you, Sharon.
0: There we go. Thanks very much. Um, I think it's very important this particular talk, obviously, for uh, any anyone with older parents, relatives, that sort of thing. I've gone one better and brought mine along. Um, my dad lasted about five minutes before he, uh, he, 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 I think he couldn't hear things, which suggests to me he needs all this paperwork in place more or less immediately. Um, but my mum managed to stick it out. So I think it's the tennis keeping her keeping her sharp. Um, so with that in mind, I think you've also got a question, Mum. Uh, yes, but being old,
1: I've actually forgotten what the question is. So I'll, uh... <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, I know. I know what it was. If, if you've got um, a lasting power of attorney with health, do you yeah. need the living will as well? Or can't you say what you want to say in your living will? Can't you put that on your health form somehow? Yeah, really good question, because um, it is interesting how these two documents work together. So in the in the health lasting power of attorney, you um, basically appoint the person, somebody really good like Tom, for example, as your attorney or each other so they generally have instructions probably from you as to what you do and don't want as you get older um, to do with healthcare. now then the issue is I suppose it the living will comes into being along with the power of attorney because the living will allows you to put very very um, detailed information about what you do and don't want medically which sometimes it's hard to talk to your relatives about. You um Mrs. Dillon might might be able to talk to your husband about these things in terms of the fact that something that my mum said to me is if I'm and I, I apologize for this, but she was like, if I'm in a if I'm like a vegetable teresa please turn the machine off. That's what my mum sort of said to me. And I understand from what she's saying really, you know what the gist of, of it is really. It's, it's very hard to have those conversations within the family because you don't really want to talk about it do you so if you prefer to again a living will cost 60 pounds to, to make um and it's, it's a straightforward thing there's set questions it says you know if you get dementia what do you want to happen if you um you know are in a life-threatening uh, traffic accident what do you want to happen do you want morphine even though it shortens your life it's those sorts of questions and actually if you put that in place then it really helps your attorneys know what to do because you may you know kind of be alive and not really with it for quite a number of years Um, and I think that especially for children making decisions about their parents if they've got it written in black and white this is what mum wanted actually she didn't want to suffer like this so therefore I'm going to pull the plug because that's what mum wanted. A bit morbid and i apologize for that but that's how the two documents work together thank you um i just wondered if i could just have the morphine if i wasn't terribly ill or is that an option no. <laughs>
0: I think, I think Dad's been uh, alive and not really with it for a number of years already, hasn't he? That's, that's, that's what I told him over Christmas. Anyway, um, uh, uh, thanks for, very much for all these great comments coming in. Uh, I've had people Thank saying it's, it's useful, and uh, Alex and Jenny, mostly Alex, I think, saying it's really interesting. Michael's saying some of the answers are very surprising. Thank you. Um, uh, we've probably got time for a couple more. Adam, it seems to have got infra, a bit more infrared where you are, but did you have a question or was yours picked up? Um, was yours picked up uh, by what we've been talking about? Mr. No, um Where it's on 50, that like joint are sold. Um, would that affect the mortgage?
1: No, it doesn't affect the, the mortgage, Adam. So when you buy it, um, just ask the conveyancing solicitor. That, yeah. Just say, we want to buy it as tenants in common. So you and your girlfriend will own it 50% each or whatever percentage share you have. Um, it oh. doesn't affect the mortgage at all. So the mortgage company don't even know about it so okay. fine absolutely fine yeah uh, can I ask Thank
0: if, you very much just nice. on that yeah sorry to jump in if you've already if you we're literally just buying our house like privately if we've already just signed up for joint can you go back and change it respectively or is there a charge to do that or if we wanted to
1: um I, I definitely think that um as I said uh to Sharon uh, you know in, in the first question I can do the forms to change it for 60 pounds uh, of you alex it's it's really easy to do if you've only just if you've got a conveyancing solicitor that you're working with now um who's doing the conveyance for you then i don't think there's any problem you going back to him or her and saying actually we have decided tenants in common is better for us um and they will be able to change it for you hopefully um it may not be too late to do that so yeah yeah, it's it's worth asking them alex yeah definitely appreciate it Thank thank you
0: next up we've got ant you have a question ant
1: Hello. Yeah, really enjoyed the talk, Therese. I guess um, yeah. my, my uh, some, of the, some of the points have been touched on. I've been doing power of attorney recently for my mum. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about limited companies into trusts. Does that? Um, I've heard of people put, putting they've owned the properties individually under their name. Does it get very complex if you've got a limited company structure, and how does that affect your ongoing operation of the limited company? Yeah really 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 good good question so firstly i would say to you is where people have got limited companies sheltering their you know their properties then i i really um i really do a lot of work with accountants and i'm a real big uh, i really support limited companies they that shelters and protects your properties, so you may not need a trust in that situation to protect the properties because you've already got the limited company to do that Okay, so when I'm looking at your will, what I'm looking at is the shares of your limited company and how I can sort of like best shelter them within the will. And sometimes I will put them into a business trust uh, within the will um, so that if you pass away and you want to you want to pass down the shares of the limited company to to various people in your family, that that they are that, that they can be protected in a business trust when you pass away. The, uh, a limited company and a trust can work, work alongside um, each other. There's, there's no problem with that. But I do always consult with your accountant if I, before putting anything like that in place, just in case it affects the accountant's strategy with a limited company. Sometimes there's tax advantages to do with buying, buying stock and assets for the limited company that a trust will interfere with. And so I'm very careful about, about putting those two things in place together and again it's a simple phone call to your accountant to talk that through or a simple zoom uh, meeting just just make sure that the trust and limited company can work together is that okay Ant? yeah thanks I think it's, it's one for probably a bit more detailed conversation it is. yeah it's quite a, it's quite an involved you know we could talk for an hour about that and, uh, and there's a lot <laughs> you know there's a lot to say about that but I won't bore everybody else at the moment Cool. Thank you very much. Really enjoyed the talk. Thank you. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. Thanks, Anne. Um,
0: a couple of quick ones. Well, let's just check. There's any more in the chat? I don't think I've missed any. If I have, give me a shout out. Otherwise, I've got a couple. Uh, first of all, reserve executor sounds like a pretty cool job title. Um, do you have to ask people before they're going to be executors, or can you can you can some people have greatness and reserve executorship thrust upon them? Um,
1: I- well, to be honest, most most people do ask people mm. as it just straightforward executors. If if you're gonna appoint an executor, then I would say definitely Definitely mention it to the person. You don't want it to suddenly be a surprise. But
0: well, to be clear, you don't have to legally because Pete Smith's currently mine. I haven't told this him yet. So um...
1: Fantastic. <laughs> now's you, the time to tell him. You don't,
0: you don't, you don't have to. <laughs> I might change it. But you, you don't You don't have to mention it to people. Is that what you're saying? But you, but, but it's a good idea, obviously, just to it's be clear. A good,
1: it's a good idea, too. I mean, it, it's uh, it's very polite to ask people, isn't it, to be a <laughs> banker or to be an executor for your estate. And it's yeah. definitely best to get them on board. Um, yeah. Executors, when you pass away, executors can turn around and say, "No, I don't want to do it." They can step down.
0: It's an optional, uh, optional yeah, gig, as right. An
1: option, yeah, and not take any legal responsibility for for what's about to happen. And so oh. that's why, you know, and that does happen quite a lot, actually. So um, sometimes through ill health or people being older and and things mm-hmm. like that, don't really want to be involved. So as long as I've got one good person, but that's why it's like the more the merrier. Mm-hmm. If I only have one executor. Um, appointed in the will, and then they step down. Then I have to go to court to appoint another executor, which is why I like reserves in place. Makes I'm sense. not a sportswoman or anything, but when I talk about these wills, I have to have reserves, I have to have lines of defense, and things like that. I don't know whether that's rugby or quite what I'm talking about there, but yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I'm not the, the will equivalent of the offside rule, is probably inheritance tax. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of inheritance tax, you mentioned earlier that you signed a cheque for 386,000 pounds. I was trying to think, I don't think I've signed any cheques bigger than that. I was wondering, uh, clearly, these aren't good cheques because they're going to the tax man, which is what we're trying yeah. to avoid. But, um, yeah. is that the biggest cheque you've ever signed? Yeah,
1: it is. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. It will because normally, um, no, You know, normally I'm doing inheritance tax planning with people to to help them so that they, everything's at zero, you know. Um, and what was difficult about this client of mine who had known for 10 years and completely adored, very traditional man who just mm. didn't believe in it. Mm. He just thought it was all hocus pocus. And as long as he had his will sorted, that's all that sort of mattered. And actually, I can say that he absolutely adored him. He, he um, was the head of a massive um, family. And when I first went to see him, then um, I sat there and I did 12 wills and 12 powers of attorney in that first day that I went to see his family because he had three generations of family there to meet me. And I just sat there in in Handsworth in Birmingham, just sorting it, sorting it all out. So it was amazing for me. And over the years, uh, you know, he belonged to the sorts of culture where when you went to do business with him, you also then had to sit and have a banquet lunch afterwards which I, you know, I I didn't do any complaining about. Um, It was very, very nice. And so, you know, I got to know his family really well um, because I completely, at the end of the day, I will do, my instructions come from you. So my instructions come from him. So he didn't want life insurance or kind of any of the sort of like the estate planning options that I was talking to him about. So I I respect that, but it's always a shock then. It was a shock to his children when the inheritance tax was that large, you know, and and that sort of check or... it's quite a sort of like made me feel a bit ill to write that sort of check out to be honest
0: sure. when you've got to, when you've got to write extra small that's no good um the uh, uh well that, that that more or less brings us to time today so um first of Thank all you. thanks very much for everyone who's attended and for those Thank listening to the podcast lot. um uh very much appreciate your continued support special thanks of course to our speakers today Teresa uh jones tune in next week we'll probably be um doing a mastermind group but we'll be back to doing um uh, uh podcasts and and, and speakers uh, very soon